When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Because, because like, and this is the heart of what we're talking about, right? All the, there's, too much, there's too much music. There's too much stuff coming out in general, which means that you also have all this weird stuff that, like, has a lot of money behind it, but still making it through. And, like, people don't even know that it's going on. You have, like, big, like, big things that, like, typically would, like, bombs, like, slipping out of view. So, like, you know, I don't know, like, as, as a critic, I've always kind of, like, you know, if you tell me that something's over there that I shouldn't look at, I'm like, well, okay, I think I'm going to go look at it. Like, you know, like, why, why wouldn't I go look at it? It's probably interesting. So that's kind of what drives me, honestly. Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to journalist Larry Fitzmorris, who used to write for Vice and Pitchfork, and currently works for The Fader. We address a music fan's best problem. Is there too much music? Grab your earplugs as we build some epic playlists. Well, Larry, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you today. Yeah, great to be here. Well, we're going to get to our conversation in just a second, but let's start with a couple of icebreakers just to get to know each other and have a little fun. First question, estimation. How much time per day do you think you spend listening to music? Oh, geez. I mean, I feel like at minimum, like five to six hours. Okay. But like also I'm the type of person who it's like... I like having something going on in the background at all times. So like I'll, yeah. I'll like... As soon as I get up, like maybe like 30 minutes and I wake up, I'll put on some music. And maybe it's not the type of stuff that everybody would want to listen to when they're just waking up, but like <laughs> it gets me up. So, so yeah, I would say like, I would say on average, probably like five to six hours a day. Since you're a journalist, can you write while you listen to music? Is that something you can do? Yeah, I feel like I have to. I mean, and it's interesting to me when other, because I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't hear music when I write or. I have a specific like method or whatever. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's like I have to listen to music uh, while I'm writing, uh, just to have something like in the background. I feel like uh, it could even be like horrible music, like, yeah. like like stuff I just don't stuff I just don't like. I think horrible music is subjective, but more like just like stuff I just like do not like at all, or something that like like I don't know, like a huge box set of like outtakes from a band or something like. Something I could just kind of like have on the background occasionally, like perk my ears up and like mostly just like focus on work. 
That's a really good idea because ne- I can never get into outtake box sets. And that's a really good way to get through them. I never thought of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, great idea, man. Right out of the gate. Look at you. <laughs> okay. So second question, what's the last album that you got obsessed with? Um, that's a good question. I feel like a record I play a lot lately is uh, FKA Choices Capra songs. Um, it's just something that I like I... It's really good driving music to me. Um, uh-huh. And like, I, I feel like at this point, um, I bought a car like a couple of years ago. I live in New York, so there wasn't really much necessity for me to own a car until kind of the pandemic. And like, you know, yeah. how am I going to get around the next time there's a pandemic? So, you know, to me, like the way albums stick with me these days is if it's something I would throw on in the car, mm-hmm. uh, like while I'm driving, like somewhere for like an hour or so. So I would say like the FKA Twigs record something that is like really easy to listen to and like just kind of like you know something that like is almost paced for driving where it's like Mm. it's not too intense but like it keeps your it keeps your spirit going it keeps the positivity happening i mean also occasionally like i think the other the other two records i'm really obsessed with this year are obviously the beyonce album which is probably my favorite record of the year and also the Davey album from Chat Pile, uh, mm-hmm. who are just very loud and aggressive. And that's always kind of two qualities that I'm constantly drawn to. So those are kind of my recent obsessions. I just found out about Chat Pile last night. Uh, I kid oh, you nice. not. Yeah, last night, somebody, a record store that I love and look to as an influencer for taste, they recommended it. And so I went and listened to it. I was like, wow, this is really cool stuff. Yeah, it's extreme stuff. They're, they're really good. And I mean, it's interesting talking about the car as well, because thinking back when I was a teenager, I would get in the car, go for drives, listen to albums. And I really got obsessed with a lot of albums doing that. But now I feel like I listen to podcasts so much more than I do music while I'm driving that I kind of feel like I've lost that relationship with music in the way that I would get obsessed with it through driving. It's such a different experience when you go for a walk or when you're at work and listening to an album versus just driving. No, that's super interesting. I actually can't listen to podcasts usually. Like, I just don't really like them because I'm, I'm honestly just listening to music most of the time. But, like, the one place I will listen to podcasts is in the car. Like, because it is, like, it does kind of, like, steady my, steady my mind and, like, give me, like, if it's a really yeah. long drive, like, if I'm driving for, like, I don't know, somewhere between, like, two and, like, five hours or something, like, it's a good way to just, like, have have people talking in your ear kind of keeping you like so okay so moving on to the third question what's an artist that's been on your radar that you're aware of you want to get into but you haven't been able to spend much time with that's a really good question you know i i I mean maybe this will kind of lead into our general discussion but like i almost like him always like Mm. There's like always tons of tons of stuff that I really want to hear and just like don't have the time to or like or like stuff where I'm like putting it aside to be like I need to check this out and I'm gonna I'm gonna really enjoy this uh, when I check it out. I mean like a good example of that was the most recent Sudan Archives album, which mm-hmm. I kind of like sa- saved. Uh, I found myself saving music a lot, like kind of being like, okay, like I'm gonna listen to this when I am ready to like really enjoy this. Uh, that's that's probably a terrible answer to your question, <laughs> but uh, it's it's like it's just like kind of like how my mind works regarding listening. 
No, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. And I think I have one more question, but we're going to hold it to the end because I think it'll be better at the end, actually. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. So I'm going to read a few stats to start and then we'll kind of go in. Allegedly, there's 60,000 to 100,000 tracks uploaded to Spotify every day, more than 100,000 albums per year, more than 80 million tracks are currently on Spotify. And some estimates say that it would take you more than 600 years to listen to every song released to date. Larry, I want I want you to be honest here. Let's just go really broad. Are we living in an age where there's too much music? I mean, I mean, I feel like we're living in an age where there's too much everything. Like, mm. and it's not re- like just in terms of media in general. Like, honestly, it seems worse. Like the, the whole like, is there too much thing seems worse to me with regards to TV and not not movies. I honestly don't think there's enough movies like almost ever, but like. In terms of like streaming TV and like quote unquote like content, like I feel like we're just dealing with too much stuff in general. Like I don't know though. I I, I like I, I definitely like think it's a really overwhelming time to be a music listener in terms of like like devoting your attention to stuff and like certainly like the fact that like there's just so much being released all the time plays a huge role. Do you think this problem has been exacerbated? because of the internet and because you have places like SoundCloud and YouTube and TikTok now that really allow people a platform. Whereas, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you, you had to go through the traditional way to really get your name out there. You know, I, I really don't see the volume of music itself as a problem. I think what the real problem is, is the way this music is promoted and mm-hmm. disseminated by, I mean, like, I guess, I guess like five years ago, you could say like the music press, but now, now I think honestly, like the streaming streaming services have a lot more power and say than the music press ever did, which wasn't much to begin with. But yeah, I'm obviously, I think I'm like on the, on like the side of what you would call like a hardcore music listener. And like, I feel like I'm constantly missing like when stuff comes out and like catching up later. And like, at this point I've kind of trained my brain to not care about that. Like I don't get like, I don't get as much like quote unquote like FOMO about that experience than I used to. But you know, like it's still there. It's and like I have to ask myself, like you know, like I don't know. I you know I, I still haven't listened to the whole new Taylor Swift album yet, which I really like. I really like her in general. But I was on vacation when it came out, so I only got to hear like the first five or six songs before we started like doing vacation stuff. You know, like I'll get around to it eventually. But like I got a message on Spotify served to me two days ago where it was like you've only listened to 20 percent of this taylor swift album wow. and i was like why is this the most important thing to tell me like everybody is listening to this album like how about like try and tell me some stuff that like yeah i haven't heard or i haven't listened to but like i think that's the problem is like a lot of places don't like like the quote-unquote powers that be like don't really care about music discovery or even like new new artists like breaking new artists like the, the, all those things kind of happen by accident so as a result when you have this marketplace where everybody is releasing music constantly and like you're getting deluxe albums you're getting double deluxe albums you're getting eps like 
you know, I'm sure you saw the quote from Daniel Eck of Spotify a few years ago where he was like, musicians are going to have to release stuff more frequently than ever. Like, if you're somebody like Post Malone, where like you can afford to put out an album a year and have it be like, you know, have like a Doja Cat feature and like have like all this eye-catching stuff that's going to get to the top of the pile every time, that's great. If you're not Post Malone, I have no idea how you're getting new listeners. <laughs> like, it, it's probably very hard. So, like, you know, it's a very long-winded way of saying to me, it's a, for me, that I'm saying, like, it's like, like, yeah, there's a lot of music, but, like, the problem to me isn't the volume. The problem is, like, how it's being, how it's being promoted and disseminated. Like, that's where, that's where the real failing is happening. I mean, anecdotally, I can attest to what you're talking about with the Taylor Swift thing, because, like, I love Wilco. They're one of my top bands. I love Wilco. And I still, I had not listened to Cruel Country until yesterday for the first time. I finally made it. I have a work like kind of like your playlist that we'll get to in a minute. I have a, a work playlist that I call workflow and I just drop albums in there so that I'll just work my way towards them. I mean, I'm working through stuff that's from May and it's November now. Right. Every time I get on to see new releases and things like that, it's your Post Malone, Doja Cat. It's the big, big names when, you know, there's an artist like Illiterate Light that has new singles coming out that I really love, but that's not getting promoted to me. Even the algorithm's not giving that to me. And I mean, right. and, and, you know, I've heard too that like the, you know, the, the way to do streaming now is to do singles, just to release a ton of singles. That's the only way that the algorithm will work for you. It's the only way Spotify will feature you is if you're just constantly putting something out. I right. mean, are we, are we looking at the, the death of albums? I don't know. I, it's tough. Cause it's like, I feel like, I feel like I have like, I mean, I've been writing about music for 15 years now, and I'm 35. I've been reading about music since I was like 10. And like, I feel like, I feel like for most, if not all of that time, I have been reading pieces about like the death of the album. I think mediums are always going to change. Like, and I think there's Mm -hmm. always going to be like, you know, it's just, and like going back to streaming too, like it's the same thing with movies where like, you know, you have people who are legitimately saying about like, you know, like, oh, in the future, I don't think movies are going to be as important as like, you know, an eight episode TV show. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's actually going to be people who still want to see movies. Like not everybody is going to want to do this new thing or be cool with this new approach. And like, you know, like, I don't know. I think of like tons of artists where like, I don't think their stuff works when it comes to just being like singles artists. Um, it's actually kind of a good anecdotal example I have here. Uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed, I think it was 2016 actually, I interviewed Carl Newman of the New Pornographers and he was like, so this was like, again, like 2016, 2017, uh, when the music, when streaming was really like, just like, this is like, this is it now, this is it forever. And he was like, yeah, I don't think going forward, we're going to be making albums. I think I'm going to be doing a lot more singles because that's, you know, that's where the industry is going. But like, they're still putting out albums. Like I, they did not, they did not start doing that. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I, I've just been reading about this for years and like, I never see it quite materialized. Like I think people, I think when it comes to like and stuff like singles are more, more like effective and important, sure. And like, you know, I think it's like maybe quite old fashioned at this point to sit down and listen to like an entire pop album. I don't think pop albums are even made for them. I think they're made to be consumed on shuffle or in the background. And I say that as somebody who really likes pop music. But like, there's plenty of mediums where the album is still going to be, or plenty of types of music where the album is still going to be king. And like, I just, like, no matter how many market shifts there are, like, 
you know, annoying like tech guy demands onto the music industry because like all that's all the music industry is now. Like I think people are still going to be making albums. I I think it's still going to happen. Well, I mean, even going back to an artist you already mentioned, Taylor Swift. I mean, she has one of the big, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, there was no singles release. It's one of the biggest albums of the year. And I mean, maybe even her career, who knows with her. I mean, it, it almost seems like when you have an artist of her leverage promoting the album, it definitely bodes well for the future of music. Would you agree? I think so. I mean, I think it's proof that people still care about albums and listen to them. Like, every, like you know, Taylor Swift is a very wide fan base. Like, I, I, like when I see people suggest that like albums are for like I don't know old people or whatever, I'm like, okay, tell tell that to the 15 year old that's listening to an album. <laughs> like, you know, like I don't know. Like, I'm just like, you know, like I, I think I always feel I always feel like whenever I see articles written about like the death of the album, I feel like the article could always like just be like one sentence, just like it's not happening. But like you know, like I don't know. I, I as somebody who like writes about music. Uh, for like a quasi living, like you gotta have something to write about, which I do understand as well. To flip it on the other side, I think the pro argument of the internet and what it's done for music and just this overwhelmment of media is that you've been able to develop artists that would have otherwise never had an like an option, like Billie Eilish making her SoundCloud presence and debut and everything like that. But also in that vein, that you're able to get deeper into niches and subgenres that you can really find an audience in a core with. I mean, like I'm a massive King Gizzard fan mm. and they could not be more niched and like sub genre away. And, you know, that wouldn't have happened without the explosion of the internet where people are exposed to all these different things. Yeah. And it's super cool that subcultures keep popping up digitally. And like, that's always my favorite thing when, it ha when that happens, like a lot of like the quote unquote hyper pop and digital core stuff of the last couple of years is a really good example of that. I mean, I do think I'm somebody who's very pessimistic about the music industry in general. And I do think that like the, as much as like, like somebody like Billie Eilish absolutely like benefited from SoundCloud. You, like a lot of artists have, you know, benefited a lot from like the instant exposure of being online. But like, I think it's also made a lot of artists careers move too quickly to like too mm. quickly with like not enough care and like, I, you know, the music industry historically, especially when it comes to younger artists, cares about profit and not safety. So, you know, like, like I think Billie Eilish is, you know, you see that, I think you've seen that actually pretty publicly with her addressing how, how much it sucks to be famous. You know, on the other, on the other side of that, you have a lot of young uh, rap artists who have died in the last few mm. years. Uh, yeah. And who, you know, these, these record companies are going to keep making money off of them forever. It's almost like they don't even care. So, you know, like there, there, there is kind of like, I know I'm kind of pitching a big tent here when it comes to the issues I'm talking about, but like, to me, it's like, I, I'm thankful for the internet because uh, I wouldn't have a career without it. And like, I do like, I do like the exposure, the, the kind of the digital world it creates, like the ability to hear new artists uh, almost immediately and to kind of like for artists to kind of like you know like how cool is it now that like artists can start their own scene and like live halfway across the world from each other like that's amazing I think the problem is like you know when things when things are very accessible very quickly I think sometimes the music industry tends to focus on the word quickly and moves way too fast and like you know people get hurt in the process which is tough yeah well that's 
That's a that's a sad perspective. Now I'm sad thinking about. <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, very, I'm, 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 I'm very honest about this stuff, unfortunately. No, no, I love it. No, it's good. I mean, and, you know, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about just from a live music perspective. Olivia Rodrigo, she did her tour back in the spring and early summer, and she specifically did smaller venues than she should have been playing. Mm. In Nashville, she played the Opry, which holds like I'm going to get this wrong, like maybe five thousand people tops. And it's like, she easily should have been playing arenas. Like she probably could have slipped in a few stadiums if she had wanted to. When I saw Harry Styles, they played one of her songs before he came out. And I've never heard of a venue so loud. Oh, I mean, it sure, was almost yeah. as loud as when Harry came out. <laughs> and, and I know that was a deliberate effort on her part to play the game. She said, you know, I want to take the steps to playing stadiums and arenas. I don't want to just jump there. Maybe it is smart. an artist's responsibility to step in more, but when you when you have millions of dollars being thrust at you, it, I'm sure it's difficult. I, I'll I'll have to take people's word on that. Yeah, it's hard. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be young, young and talented. It, it must be like a blessing of a curse. Well, and so I mean, getting back to a little bit, the thing that I keep going back to with discovering new music is that like it should be exciting. Like discovering the next album should be an excitement. The first time you listen to a new album, it should be an exciting experience. So how do we balance savoring that feeling, that album and those the music that you hear with needing to hear everything? Do you have any tips on that? You know, I'm really bad with balance. I'm not, I'm not good about it. Um, and I feel like it's like something where like, I know that I'm bad at it and I'm like, okay, like maybe I'll come back to this and like <laughs> be a little better about it if it bothers me. Like, I feel like, I feel like I have to keep in mind personally that it's like, if I get like quote unquote new music fatigue, like, uh, I need to go back to just like stuff I like to listen to. And sometimes there are days where I'm just like, I don't want to hear anything. I just want to listen to one song for like an hour. But like, you know, like, so I got, I got started at Spin Magazine in 2008. Um, I, and like I was in, I was in the editorial and turn there and I eventually got bumped up to being a full-time employee and the whole time my favorite thing to do with the job was take everybody's promos uh because like for like for reasons I couldn't understand like you know all these CDs were coming and like people were listening to maybe like I don't know like like one or two percent of and I was like look at all this music like you how can you not listen to all this music so like I would spend like while I was working I would just have a huge bin of CDs next to me and just be constantly putting them on my computer and sending them in the queues and just listening to every single promo I went through. And like, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff. Sure. I mean, a lot of stuff I just didn't really like, but like, you know, sometimes like I would hear a band where I'd be like, Oh, that band sounds cool. And then like two years later, they put out an amazing record and be like, Oh, wow. Like, mm. oh, I got to hear these guys early. Like, you know, that's pretty yeah. cool. So like, you know, like, I don't know, like for me, like, the, like the deluge of like streaming stuff like I feel like it's like it's the same thing as having that box at my job only like mm. it's just a big big endless box and like that's intimidating if you think about it too much so I try not to but you know like I feel like that that like that like the sense of discovery like where it's like I could listen to like six hours of music today and like maybe like I'll hear like one one or two albums that are like pretty sick like uh, that's like enough. That's like kind of like enough for me. That's exciting. Like it, it, it gets me going. Well, and that's I found that like most mornings I dedicate to listening to new music, and in the afternoons I fall back on stuff that I'm familiar with. And, and a lot of that just has to do with how 
I know after lunch, I'm going to be a little bit more worthless. Like, you know, that sandwich is going to sit pretty heavy on me. And so I'm going to be <laughs> sure. a little more sluggish. So I'm going to need that Taylor Swift reputation to pick me up a little bit. Let's, I want to talk about you for a second in this, like you're, you're a real journalist. This is your job as you've, if you stated, like, like how, how do you feel like having to listen to music for your job? I mean, like, does that make it less enjoyable to listen to music when you're having to listen to it? It's a really good question. Uh, and it's actually funny because I have a newsletter called Last Donut of the Night that I also recently I got this question submitted for the mailbag segment as well. So I'll be answering this question even in, in greater depth at some point, I think. But I've been <laughs> thinking about this a bit. I Like, um, it really depends for me. So like, I, I worked at... I think like where a lot of people know my writing from is from when I was at Pitchfork uh, from 2010 to 2014. And I have contributed there on and off uh, over the last decade as well. I was the reviews editor there, but I kind of like, I kind of did everything very small site uh, or very small staff, smaller than I think people love or understand. Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of pitched in and did everything, but like in terms of like, kind of like the site's taste and direction, I had kind of like a, like a moderate thumb on the scale, like not like I wasn't even close to like the final decider, but like I would say more than like some of my colleagues, I was privy to discussing like what you get best new music. How do we, who are we going to make as a rising artist? Who are we really into right now? Like I was, I was part of those discussions through my entire five year time there. And like, that was fun. And it was kind of like, you know, as somebody who has obsessive tendencies, I got, I could get really caught up in that be like just like really focusing on like you know breaking new artists and like thinking about like what's reflected in terms of like pitchforks canon but like it also like takes a lot out of you in terms of enjoying music it makes mm. enjoy it makes like enjoying music like a little bit of like a battle if you're constantly just like if you're constantly trying to get other people to like be like yeah agree with me that this is good like, it's not like, it's not as, it kind of like wears off after a while. And plus, like, you know, other people aren't always going to agree with you. So, you know, like, it can kind of lead to like a little bit of confusion in terms of your own self-validation of taste. So, I, you know, when, I, when I've been in positions like that, where like, my listening taste is kind of supposed to be reflective of like, a publication's direction, or like, mm -hmm. even just like general editorial coverage, I feel like I've liked listening to music less. I've, I haven't enjoyed it as much. I, like I haven't had that kind of a role in several years. And like, I feel like the last couple of years I've like really been like, yeah, like listening to music is sick. It's great. Like, like I've, I always like listening to music, of course, but like, you know, like I, I really kind of like, I don't find myself like beholden to, you know, the quote unquote like conversation around artists the way maybe I did when I, was kind of working more explicitly as a tastemaker, which like, and like, you know, like there's obvious appeal in like quote unquote making a taste. Like yeah. everybody loves to do that, but like, oh, there has, a, I think it has its downsides. Well, and that's, you know, I keep thinking about the anecdote that you put in the article that spurred this whole thing and I'll link it in the show description. You're, you were listening to the Paul Stanley soul album <laughs> and you were asked like, why are you listening to that? And you said, if I don't, who will? First off, no one needs to listen to that, Larry. So you can just <laughs> cut yourself some slack. Like, like you don't. I've seen the album cover. I, I already know you don't need to listen to it. Uh, so, but like, my my real question is like, why do you feel that burden 
of like, if I don't, who will? Why do you feel that burden? It's like, you know, like, I, like I say that like a little dramatically is like for effect, but like, to me, it's more like, I think I've always been drawn to like curiosities. I think that's like really interesting to me, especially when like, to be quite honest, like a lot of the music that is like, quote unquote, like, you know, promoted and, you know, big up by the music media, it's just like kind of the same. Like it's the same six or seven artists in rotation along with like six or seven more that sound like them. So like when you tell me that like Paul Stanley has recorded an album of, you know, classic soul covers with like a backing band that sounds exactly like all these old songs, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like that sounds interesting. Well, what does that sound like? And like, I actually, you know, like, I don't know. I thought it, I thought it sounded okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Uh, I think another good example of this, this isn't even, I mean, this is an even worse example, really, is um, the former guitarist of Creed, who uh, slashed the frontman of Alterbridge, Mark Tremonti. He recorded an album of Frank Sinatra covers this year. Oh. And, yeah, and I mean, it's terrible. It's it's very (laughs) bad. It's very bad. I feel comfortable very comfortable and confident saying that he he made some terrible music that really didn't need to be put out there. But like honestly, like you know, it's funny that I heard it. Like it's like I don't know, like it's like I, uh, like I don't know. Do you think you're ever gonna talk to anybody else who's who's listened to the Mark Tremonti Frank Sinatra <laughs> covers album? Like probably not. You know, like it's at the very at the very worst, listening to something terrible that is nonetheless like unique or like I don't know something just so singular and weird where you're like, why does this exist? Like it's something to talk. about. Like, you know, it's inter- it's interesting. Like you get to, you get to like, uh, you get to maybe drag other people to experience in that too. Like, you know, like that can be kind of funny as well. Like, you know, I'm always, I'm always trying to like, I mean like outsider art, but also like stuff where it's like, because there's, because like, and this is the heart of what we're talking about, right? All the, there's too much, there's too much music. There's too much stuff coming out in general, which means that you also have all this weird stuff that like has a lot of money behind it, but still making it, making it through. And like, people don't even know that it's going on. You have like, you have like big, like big things that like typically would like bombs, like slipping out of view. So like, you know, I don't know, like as, as a critic, I've always kind of like, you know, if you tell me that something's over there that I shouldn't look at, I'm like, well, okay, I think I'm going to go look at it. Like, you know, like why, why wouldn't I go look at it? It's probably interesting. So that's kind of what drives me, honestly. Well, and it's, I mean, you saying that makes me think about the most recent goat album and it's just like, you know, that, that, I mean, that may be perfectly normal for a lot of people in terms of their taste, but like, for me, that's a little more out there. Sure. And I was telling a friend about it cause he, he's got more exquisite taste than I do. And he was just like, no, this isn't for me. But I was like, dude, would you apply yourself and listen to it? It really, it, you start to appreciate it a little bit more. I think that's what like, I think about like the the John Coltrane album. Um, oh, I'm blanking on it's a free jazz album. I'm blanking on the name of it, but anyway, the first time I listened to it, it literally made me nauseous. It was so chaotic; it made me yeah. physically ill. And that, you know, that's what I think of. I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, "You got to get into free jazz. Like, you got to start exploring some of this stuff because I think once you once you kind of get past that, once you get some of the weird stuff, it really broadens your horizon of how much you can appreciate music, especially of all types of thing. And you know, when you do that then you're broadening your taste of what, you know, all this other music that's out there 
that you can go dive into. I mean, is that kind of your experience as well? Yeah, I think that's really real. I think there's also a like, I don't know, for, for people who are like interested in like covering music for a living, like I feel like I feel like you have to listen to everything. You have to hear the bad stuff. Like, you know, like I, I feel like if I just listen to the, you know, I'm kind of a dilettante when it comes comes to country. I've been trying to, it's one of those genres I've just been trying to get more into in general. And like part of how I've been trying to get into it is just listening to everything. And like, it means hearing a lot of stuff that I don't like, but like also when I hear stuff I do like, I'm like, oh, okay, I have context for why this is different from the stuff that I do like. I think that's really important. I mean, like quite honestly, I feel like I saw a lot of my peers over the last decade just being like, I'm only gonna listen to stuff I like. I'm only gonna champion stuff that everybody else is talking about and hearing. And it's like, no, you really have to dig and like figure out like, you have to you have to listen if you if you're a true obsessive about music, I feel like you have to listen to everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, like otherwise, like and, and like, you know, also there's many ways to listen to music. Like yes. like I I'm being I'm being an absolutist in terms of like people who like do this for a living, but like, you know, like if, even if you don't do it for a living, there's a a lot of pleasure in just kind of like bouncing around and hearing weird sounds that like maybe you don't like, but like mm-hmm. You know, you heard them like they were made to be heard. So that's cool, too. How can you approach music with an open mind? I mean, it's easy to hear something and say, I don't like this. This doesn't sound good. And listening to difficult stuff takes a lot of work, especially when you have so much that is palatable and is easy to digest that you can put on as background music. You know, it's not going to be a good time to put on the goat album and cook dinner with your spouse at night. Sure, My wife would not have any part of that. So how do you have an open mind when you approach music? I feel like it's a, I feel like it's probably about figuring out when is the right time to like, I think like some people I know like have like certain like, okay, like I'm going to spend a few hours digging into a promo pile or like checking out stuff I haven't heard yet. And like that, but that makes sense to me. Like, you know, you have to dedicate time and interest to it. I, I also think, like, honestly, a good way to listen to music open-mindedly is to do it kind of, like, so to kind of do it as if, like, as if you're doing it for yourself. Like, um, I think especially with, like, new releases and, like, the internet, like, I think, like, there's a tendency to kind of, like, quote-unquote, listen along with a conversation. You know, um, to, to be like, okay, like, what's my opinion on this? This album's been out for like two or three days. Do I have an opinion? And it's like, you actually don't have to have an opinion. Like, you can, mm. you can also just like wait and listen to it when you're ready. I personally, at this point, with like very few exceptions, I try as much as possible to just kind of like delay when I listen to like major new releases because like, just kind of sours it for me when I'm listening to this something and I'm seeing like 18 different conversations on it. I mean, of course, also there's an easier answer to that, which is like, don't be on the internet, which like, that's yeah. fine. That's cool. But like, we're all on the internet. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. it's like easier, easier said than done. But, yes. um, but you know, like I do think, I do think like, thinking of it as kind of like a leisure activity is a really good way to keep an open mind. That way, you know, you're not putting pressure on yourself to like formulate any ideas. It's just like, Oh, like I'm listening to music. That's cool. I was going to get into your, to how your method, but 
quite frankly, it's incredibly intricate and I'm just going to link it in the show notes <laughs> so people can read it. Cause there's, right. I'm not going to try to make you explain it again, <laughs> but uh, I mean, so do you just have any advice on how people can formulate something to where they can be exposed to more music as well as just finding a, a balance of and a rhythm of being able to enjoy it? That's a really good question. Um, I think that it would probably, if I was to give advice to somebody who was like, how do I, how do I get back into listening to new music? Cause I have a lot of friends who as they've gotten older have just kind of fallen off. I would say to probably pick something that you really care about, like pick a style of music that you're really into and just kind of focus on that and slowly work your way out. Like, because, you know, I do, I do think that like, again, like what we're talking about here is like, there's, there's a lot of music out there. If you try and sample everything at this point, like jumping in, you're going to lose your mind. Yep. So like start with stuff that, start with stuff that you know you care about. If you, if you think you really, if you're like, Hey, like I want to get really into email, like get, get into email or like get into techno or, you know, start listening to a lot of like Atlanta hip hop. And, and then like you'll probably find that your interests can spiral out a little bit and you can kind of broaden them in a natural way. Well, it's, I mean, you saying that anecdotally, I mean, like I, I love psychedelic rock and King Gizzard being right up my alley has also exposed me to a lot of other bands that I, I really, truly love, like Frankie and the Witchfingers and Bay Rainbow and, you know, the Murlocs and all these other bands. But I mean, even in that, that led me to levitation label that just promotes nothing but psychedelic rock. Oh, nice. There's such a whole new world of artists to explore and to listen to because I found that that culture piece, that influencer, for lack of better words, that can influence my taste and point me towards new artists. And I mean, I think that's something that like the term influencer gets such a bad rap today because it does have some negative connotations. But, you know, like with the disappearance of the radio DJ, I mean, we really kind of need that to guide us towards new recommendations. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I think there's a huge curatorial gap right now. And it's one of the main things I try and do with my newsletter. Um, for paid subscribers, I do a weekly playlist of just stuff I've been listening to, uh, along with like some like critical thoughts uh, around around that stuff. It's called the ba- it's called the Baker's Dozen, and I've actually been donating all of my uh, revenue from the newsletter to the National Network of Abortion Funds, which is great, and we've raised uh, three thousand dollars so far which is awesome. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like there is this huge gap where quote unquote, like people like to talk about like the algorithm, but like, there's also like people, there's like people in Spotify that like make these decisions. There's people in Apple music, you know, like these, it's not like a secret, like these jobs are available. I've applied for these jobs. Like I haven't gotten them. But like, you know, like, like they're, they're real. Like, you know, like that's like, that's how, that's how things are curated now. This kind of invisible, this invisible product telling you you're going to like something. I find something really impersonal about that. Like I I really trust when somebody, it doesn't even have to be somebody I know. It just has to be a real person who, who like figured out what their like own taste is without like help of AI. Like, you know, like, like that's, that's what I like the most. And like, I feel like people do still like, that there's just like there's just no 
like there's just nothing really out there to like provide that, or there's not enough stuff out there to provide that. But there's, I, I do think, I do think with self-publishing and newsletters and, I mean, you know, now that everyone wants to get off Twitter, Tumblr's coming back. You know, like there's like lots of opportunities for people in general to become their own tastemakers. To kind of like, like I, I feel like I feel like it'd be cool to see more young people do that to like start you know blogs again and be like, yeah, like this is what I listen to and like you should listen to it too. And here's this new act I'm really into. Uh, you know, like there, there's one blog that I really like, No, no Bells, uh, which is a great independent publication that is ahead of the game when it comes to a lot of electronic and hip hop. And I trust, I trust what they say. And maybe I don't even like some of the music they cover, but I'll check it out because it's being recommended by people. <laughs> like, like I do, I do think like there, there's a lot of utility for that. And, you know, like if we think of it less as like an influencer thing and more of like, as like curatorial, like, yes. you know, like, you know, like, I don't know, not, not everybody should be expected to be an expert in music. I think there's plenty of people who need their hand held when it mm-hmm. comes to knowing what to listen to. And that's fine. So like, we're like, let's have some people hold their hand, you know? I think too, a lot of this comes down to the listener or the person that's seeking, like they have to go out and find these people. I think that's the important piece. Like, you know, that's, I hear people say all the time, like, Oh, there's no good music. It's all in the past. It's like, no, you're just not looking hard enough. If you want to find good music, it's out there. It's not hard to find an album that was released last week. That's just as good as anything you heard in 1970 on classic rock radio. I, I agree. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I look to him, and every time he makes an album recommendation, I go listen to it. I don't always like it, but I always will give it a chance because I trust his taste. And I think that's important for people. And it's kind of just echo what, echoing what you're saying is like you have to find these people, you have to create these people. And if you don't find people that are in your lane, be that person. There's enough subculture and you know niches now that we you're probably lacking in that, and you could step in and fill the void there. Yeah, that's very that's very well put. I very much agree with that. Okay, so that kind of starts to wrap up the conversation, but I do want to get back to that last icebreaker because I feel like it might be the most important question I was going to ask all day. Um, so are you ready for this? I'm not sure you're ready for this. Uh, I, I think I'm prepared. Okay, well, here we go. So when listening to new music, what's better, headphones or a speaker system? I feel like it's headphones yep. honestly like and i i have a good sound bar that i like and like i love to crank tunes all day i work from home so like i have that luxury <laughs> too but like but like uh you know like like when the beyonce record leaked this this summer i was like i'm listening to this on headphones like you know like i also love like listening to headphones and like walking around like and like you know just like that gets like gets the blood pumping, it gets the brain moving, like it gives you like this kind of intimate uh feel to like listen to music as well. Yeah. I'm, like there's nothing, there's nothing that can be headphones. Just keep it on a keep it on a normal level so you don't go down. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing that you gotta always keep in mind. There we go. Well Larry, this has been a fascinating conversation for me. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you yeah, have too. Absolutely. So this has been awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. 
If you're feeling kind, give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.